You can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. As Jeff mentioned, we're taking a, a break for the Advent, Advent series from our Hebrews series and looking at the Christology that, that Paul presents in Colossians chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 15 through 17. This is God's Word. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray that he would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, we believe in your Holy Spirit. We believe in his presence in and among your people and ask that he would work together with your word that we might understand more deeply just who your Son is, and what it means that He is the Lord of creation. We ask this in His name. Amen. Maybe you've met someone or read a story about someone who didn't necessarily seem like much to begin with, but as you got to know them or as things are revealed about them, you realize there's a lot more to this person than meets the eye. Uh, I remember Elizabeth used to work with someone outside of D.C. and the school, this, this woman was the ESL, English as a second language teacher, would come into our classroom and get on the floor and play with the kids and help those kids learning English for the first time to, to, to understand things. And I, I remember we even went over to their house one time and had breakfast and they're perfectly normal folks and they're, her husband is this relatively normal looking guy, very humble, very kind, inquisitive, curious. Come to find out, he ran the Smithsonian. Not like he was in charge of one of the, he ran the Smithsonian. And they lived in this nondescript house in the neighborhood near the school. Uh, in fact, Elizabeth told a story about one time, uh, the, the, the woman was telling her, like, I was at a dinner the other night with, uh, what's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker and, and, uh, and Yo-Yo Ma. And we were talking about the word study in your classroom. <laughs> What Paul is doing in these verses, what he's doing to the Colossians and for us, is inviting us to see Christ in a new way. That as much as we think we might understand who Jesus is, we think we've got him figured out, that there is more to him than we could possibly comprehend. There is more to him than meets the eye. A lot of scholars think that these verses here are, are, are maybe an early Christian hymn that Paul adapted because of the truth that it expounded to try to express the, the inexpressibility of who Jesus is. And you see this repeated phrase through here that, that, that all things are in relation to Jesus. By him, all things were created. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And Paul is trying to emphasize and hammer home this point that Jesus is the Lord 
of all things. And that, that when you see Christ in comparison to all things, then it will lead you to humble worship and trust. And so that's what we're going to try to do, to, to see Christ in his relation to all things in various ways. And the first thing we see in this passage is that Jesus is the creator of all things. John 1, which we read earlier, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made that has been made. So there's two categories, things that were made, things that were not made. And Jesus is not in that first category. He's in the latter. He is unmade. He created all things. Through him was not anything made that was made. And this can seem kind of like a Uh, okay, like, yeah, Jesus is God, so God created all things, and so that kind of flows from that. But Paul is making a a little bit more distinct point that that through Jesus specifically, not Jesus because he is part of God, or you don't want to mess with the Trinitarian descriptions there too much, but it's Jesus specifically as the Son of God. By him, all things were created. See, sometimes we think of Jesus primarily as a Savior, and he is a Savior. Or we think of him, even maybe we go so far as Paul and say, yeah, he's a creator. But Jesus, first and foremost, is a son. First and foremost, he is the son of the Father. And it's that Father's eternal, ongoing, perpetual, never-ending love that overflows into creation, that, that the love of the Father for the Son was, was, was just too much, and it had to be shared, and it had to overflow, and it had to burst out into creation. And because of that, we can see that, that creation is, is, is channeled through Jesus, because the love of God is channeled through Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 8, Paul says, There is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, excuse me, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. You can see there that that cooperative element that the Father and the Son are working together to create, to bring to fruition all things. That's why we can speak accurately of Christ as the cornerstone. When, you, when you, they would build a building in, in the old days before we had the blueprints and all the mechanical equipment we have, they would set the cornerstone and this would sort of lay the lines of the building. And all things would be built from and through and oriented to this cornerstone. And so we see that Christ is the, the cornerstone of creation. All things are, are built and created and made in reference to and in relation to him. And and he is a good creator. This isn't just like, well, yeah, I make some things or I dabble in in creative stuff. God, Christ, is an endlessly creative creator. He could have just made the world in black and white. He could have just said, yeah, I'm going to make birds and the only bird is going to be pigeons. It's just pigeons everywhere. Instead, we got flamingos and spoonbills and ostriches and, and robins, an ostrich and a robin. That's the same kind of creature, and that's just birds. We're not even talking about fish or, or food. Like, all food could taste the same, but we have 
salty and sweet and tangy and sour and spicy and, and umami and all these other different things and combinations where they complement each other. God is endlessly creative. Christ didn't just create the world, just sort of, yeah, there it is, that's good enough. It's endlessly creative. And it's that creator, it's that one who's the Lord of creation who came to earth as a baby. The one who did and made and designed and put together everything that you can see, including yourself, came to earth as a baby. And he came that not, not just to, to check in on creation, but to begin a work of recreation as he is remaking a people in his own image. Because Jesus is the creator, because he designed and made and created all things, he gets to call us to do things. We belong to him as he created us. And so he gets to ask things of us. But the good news is because he created us, because he made us and designed us, he knows what it means to be truly and fully human. And that is what he is calling us to be when he commands us to do things in his words. Because he is a creator, because we are made in the image of God, we should also go and create whether that's art, whether that's building institutions, whether that's creating new processes, whether that's constructing a ship in the shipyard, whatever it is you are working with, we are called to create like him. But most importantly, because Jesus is the creator of all things, we should worship. There's this trend that's been increasing in recent years of mindfulness, just to be mindful of what you're eating or of your breathing or of the world around you. And I largely think it's a good trend because, whether people realize it or not, when you're mindful, when you take a minute to breathe, when you look out at the world around you, just look out through the windows and see the leaves and the trees, what you're saying is, I am a creature. I have been created. I am existing in something that is beyond me. And that can be worshipful. As we heard earlier in our call to worship, Paul is, is writing and writing and writing. He kind of overflows from him and through him and to him are all things. And then he says, to him be glory forever. Amen. So Jesus is the creator of all things, and, and because of that, he is superior to all things. We see this, this phrase here at the beginning of this passage that says, He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And that can kind of trip us up because we hear in Genesis that we are created in the image of God, but that in is pretty crucial. We are a reflection of who God is. Jesus is the very image. The image, Paul says, of the invisible God. See, the Colossians, there's some indication that they were sort of confused about, is God even knowable or accessible? Or, or how, do, how do we understand who he is and, and get to him and, and, and reach him and connect to him? And, and Paul is saying, you want to know what the invisible God looks like? Look at Jesus. That is who he looks like. 
And so he goes on and says that he is the firstborn of all creation. Again, this is, this is not talking about him being a created thing. We already covered that. There are things that are not made, things that are made, and Jesus is unmade. This is talking about his rank, just like the firstborn would be the heir to all things that the Father had. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. It's talking about his, his, his rank in comparison to all of creation, not, not the timing. And it says that by him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, invisible and visible. This is, this is kind of saying like heaven and earth, opposites, visible and invisible opposites. It's talking about everything. These two things and everything in between, all things were created by him. Even the thrones and the dominions and the rulers and the authorities, all these things. And because they were created by him, he is superior to them. Again, later in Colossians, we see that, that the, the Colossians were being concerned about these elemental spirits and asceticism and worship of angels, and they were very confused about who's in charge and, and what should we worship and, and who should we be looking to for salvation and provision and care. And Paul is making the point here, all those things, all the alternatives, anything else you could think to possibly give credence and worship and authority to, Jesus is superior to all of them. This is the point we've been making over and over and over again in Hebrews, that, that anything, any alternative that you could look to besides Jesus is inferior to him. He is before all things. And because he is before and because he is above, because they were created by him, he is superior to them. It's kind of like, not, not exactly like, it's kind of like in, in, a, in a church or in a workplace or any group really, there's the old timer, you know, who, who like knows where everything is and how everything works and why we do things the way that we do. Maybe some of you are like, I'm the old timer, right? It doesn't matter where you are. There's, there's always this person who's like, oh yeah, he knows, he knows where everything is. She knows how it all works because she's been here forever, right? Except... Jesus has literally been here forever. He is superior. He knows. He, he can work. He understands. He knows the why of all things. He is superior to them because he has been here forever. And yet, with all this superiority, with all this preeminence, with all this, this right comparison between him and all things, he did not consider that, that superiority something to be grasped and held on to. But he made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, coming as a baby, even becoming obedient to death. Why? Because of his great love for his people. And so as we acknowledge that Jesus is superior to all things we can consider maybe some of those other invisible powers that we give authority and credence and we cede worship to. Whether it's the politics that we pursue, whether it's our appearance or what people think of us, whether it's how much comfort and money we have, we can give our, our worship, we can cede our, our authority to these other things that are far inferior to Jesus. 
because Jesus is superior to all things, we can affirm that superiority in worship, yes, but also in prayer. Because when we come to Jesus in prayer, we're saying, I, I can't. I, I, I can't even figure out a way to get enough help from someone else to try to do that. I need you. And so we can come to him humbly, acknowledging his superiority, worshiping him, but, but throwing ourselves upon his mercy because he is superior to all things. So Jesus created all things and he is superior to all things, but even more than that, he preserves all things. Paul says that in him, all things hold together. This is not just the inventor who created something and just sort of like, all right, it's going to work now. I'm just going to leave that going on. Or even like, I'll check in on it once in a while, but it should just keep working. God created all things through Christ, but, the, but in him, all things hold together, even though often they want to fall apart as sin has entered the world and things want to separate and break and fall apart. In him, all things hold together. I've heard him described as the unsustained sustainer of everything. The unsustained sustainer of everything. Now, my degree is in English, so I don't want to stick my neck out too far here. But when it comes to the laws of physics, we know a lot about how they work and why different things happen if other things happen in the interactions. But... Science, physics, chemists, whoever it is, cannot explain why something happens twice. We can say, hey, it happened twice. We can observe that. But we don't know why. If I take this pen and drop it, why did it drop? Gravity, right? We can say, if I want to drop this again, it's going to drop again, but we don't know why it continues to do that. Why does gravity keep working? Why is it that atoms don't fly apart or implode? Why is it that when we put predictable amounts of chemicals together, they react in predictable ways? We cannot tell why that is. I actually wrote a paper in high school for my chemistry professor explaining one of those nuances about science. And she was like, you know, give the reason that we talked about in class. And I just threw this verse in at the end. It's like, maybe it's Jesus. Because we don't know why. We, we cannot explain why things continue. Why is it that logic is logical? Why does math work? Why is time the way that it is? We cannot explain the why. But Paul says... It is Jesus. In him, all things hold together. What holds together the universe is not virtue. It's not an idea, as one scholar put it. It is a person. In him, all things hold together. Christ is right now at the right hand of God, maintaining the whole universe. As a baby, when he came to earth... He's maintaining the very atoms of the body that he took on. When he was on the cross and suffering for our sins, he was continuing to make gravity persist so that the world would keep spinning. Christ preserves all things. 
This is why we confessed earlier from the Heidelberg Catechism. What does it profit us to know that God created and by his providence upholds all things? That we may be patient in adversity and thankful in prosperity. Because if Jesus is the preserver and sustainer of all things, then that cuts both ways. Maybe you're looking out of your life and like, I don't know, TJ, I'm doing a pretty good job. Things are maintaining pretty well, and I've got a handle on things. Whether you realize it or not, Christ is sustaining you. Or maybe you're here and like, no, I, I feel it, TJ. Things are falling apart. Things are spreading out. I cannot, I feel like I've got to grip and hold everything together. And if I don't, it's going to explode into a million pieces. And that can be exhausting. But the good news is that Christ is sustaining all things. Maybe you feel that acutely. I need someone who is a sustainer and a preserver. Christ in him, all things hold together. Even us and him. He holds us together in him. He holds us together with him. He unites us to himself and holds us together. In spite of our sin, which wants to tear us apart, he holds us together. That's why Paul can say in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He's really just all the different options. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus preserves all things. So where is all this headed? If Jesus created all things and he's above and before all things and he is sustaining and preserving all things, to what end? What is the purpose? The answer is Jesus. Jesus is the end of all things. And by that, I don't mean the, the final, the, the, the finale of all things, although he will be there in the end of the heavens and earth but he is the, the purpose. He is the goal of all things. Paul says, by him all things were created, through him and for him. Or as we read earlier in Romans 11, from him and through him and to him are all things. See, Christ is the redeemer. Christ is the creator and the ruler but he is also the goal of all of creation. All things are working their way towards him. All things are going to be fulfilled in him. All things are, are working towards this union of him and his people. He is the one to whom and for whom all things are working. It's kind of like reading that book or watching that show or that movie that you've seen a million times, and you know how it ends. And if there's a twist, you know the twist is coming, but you watch it again and you're in the know. You're like, oh, I didn't catch that line before. I didn't realize that's going to reveal this other thing. Or, oh man, I see the theme as it flows from the very beginning of this movie or the very beginning of this book as we can see where everything is going. Paul is inviting us to spoil the story. We know where it's headed, and it's headed towards Christ. The long arc of the universe bends towards Jesus. As Paul says elsewhere, all the promises of God find their yes 
in him. All the promises of God find their yes in him. There's the quote that we had at the beginning of the service from Douglas Moo. It says, Christ stands at the beginning of the universe as the one through whom it came into being. He's the creator of all things. And he stands at the end as the goal of the universe. The whole of creation, the whole of the universe only makes sense if we understand that Christ is at the beginning and at the end, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, that he is at the center of all things and all things are working towards him as its purpose. And so when he entered history as that baby in Bethlehem, he knew in his divine nature what things were heading towards. And as he walked through his life and suffered, as he died on the cross, he knew what he was working towards. And he invites us into that same story to know where things are heading. And if this is true of Christ, that he's the creator of all things, that he's superior to all things, that he preserves all things, and that he is the end of all things, then there's really only a couple ways to respond. And that is in worship and in trust. To worship him, to, to say, God, you've created everything, and you sustain it, you uphold it by the word of your power, and, and you are working all things towards your ends and purposes, and I give you glory for that. And in the midst of my difficulties and my pains and my struggles, in those times when I don't see what's going on, when I don't understand why this is happening, when I don't see a path out, I trust in you, that I know who you are and that you are good and you want good things for your people. And so I throw myself on your mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. This creator, ruler, sustainer, goal of all. And we throw ourselves upon his mercy, bought to us by his work, living a perfect life, dying a death undeserved, and being raised from the dead. Help us to trust him to trust your work in all things and help us to worship him, to worship your spirit, to worship you, Heavenly Father, in all things. We pray this in the precious name of Christ. Amen.